0: It's the Gridiron Lounge. See you, Pittsburgh. Can't wait!
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to this week's episode of the Gridiron Lounge podcast, hosted by myself, Coach Andrew Lamers, along with my partner, as usual, Coach Austin Sherfy, and special guest this week. We welcome our great friend of the show, weekly listener, co-contributor for Around the Block Ravens, Mr. Brandon Myers. Brandon Myers, how the hell
2: are you? I am doing very well, guys. It's an honor to be on the show, finally. It's been... I've been literally thinking about this for weeks and just... It's finally put into place, and I'm excited to talk ball with you guys and whiskey and uh, cigars. Yeah,
1: we we you know we've been telling you forever we've been meaning to have you on. You know we love we love that you listen to this show all the time and always give us good feedback. Uh, starting to dabble in some more scotches and whiskeys yourself, it sounds like, and we we could not wait to have you on. We're glad you're finally here. You know, part of the holdup was Coach Surfy's hectic schedule. We wanted him on for sure because you two have your Ravens connection, which we'll get into. But uh, you know, we'll we'll get all, we'll get on with all that. But why don't you just start off by telling the listeners just a little bit about yourself, what you do, how you got to where you are in in football, and you know, just tell us about yourself.
2: Well, the whole thing, um, I'm just your regular run of the mill Joe kind of guy. Um, i work the normal auto tech hours over at your our my local walmart but as far as a football fan goes i've just been a football fan since really a young age became a ravens fan back in the 2010 20 or i think it was the 2010 2011 season um or it was either that or the year before anyways, but no, what was crazy is I was just trying to go and find my home. As far as football goes, I grew up in a very Bengal Cincinnati Bengals area. Oof. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I got I get a lot of, uh, heat from it on a, on not as much anymore since I don't live there anymore. Um, But as I was getting older, just trying to find my footing, I was playing Madden 10 there for a little er and started playing with the Ravens defense or the Ravens team and the Ravens defense and just fell in love. And so did some research, started watching games. Here we are.
1: Here we are. And, of course, I mentioned, you know, we everybody knows Coach Sherpy's a Ravens guy. You are too. So if you noticed... Coach, you, you kind of see here, I have my uh, Bubba Gump Shrimp hat on, but it's Bubba Gump Shrimp Baltimore. <laughs> I have my black Ray Lewis jersey on, and then my background is uh, the Baltimore Inner Harbor. So I did that for our special guest and uh, my partner, Coach Scherfie. you Gosh awesome.
0: dang, look at this fella going <laughs> all out on the show tonight. It is awesome.
1: I support my friends, you know.
0: I do gotta say I've always thought that the black Ravens jerseys are some of the best looking uh, uniforms in the NFL so I
1: I agree and you know coming from an outsider I'm not a Ravens guy let me give you my little bit of a, a Raven story here real quick so I've been to Baltimore twice actually um and that's where I got this jersey so the second time I went to Baltimore you both will remember this uh, I think it was 20 it might have been early 2013 when the when the Ravens had that Super Bowl run. So what happened is I went there with one of my close friends uh, for some work training at the time. We spent the night, we we flew out on Sunday. The Saturday prior, we spent the night in Milwaukee with some family and we watched the Packers 49ers playoff game. One of the ones they lost to the Niners, of course, because they, they never beat them. So we were all bummed out, you know, and this was the year, of course, that Ray Lewis had announced his retirement, and maybe Baltimore can go on this little bit of a run. So the next day, we fly into Baltimore. And if you remember, the same day that the Packers lost to the 49ers was the same day that the Ravens beat the Broncos in Denver. Remember they had that flacco chucked it over Raheem Morris's Raheem Morris', Raheem Morris uh, head to Jacoby Jones, remember that game guys that That was a mile high miracle
0: yeah so i can still close my eyes and picture that
1: yeah so the next day we fly into baltimore all bummed out because our packers lost and uh baltimore is just lit up purple and the inner harbor is beautiful and there's ray lewis stuff all over the place so i bought myself this ray lewis jersey because like coach surfy said those black ravens uniforms are snappy and, you know, Ray Lewis is, is Ray frickin' Lewis, so I got this jersey, and here we are. That's my Ravens story. And, of course, they ended up winning the Super Bowl, so that was cool.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, uh, I had a, <laughs> we went to a, a Ravens game. My uh, wife and I went to a Ravens game that same year. We actually went to their Broncos game at home. And uh, I got, I'll, I'll do a quick little story, then I'll talk about that game we're on the plane and the guy next to us hears, uh, that, you know, we're flying into Baltimore for the first time. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, you know, I grew up in Baltimore, I've been in Dallas. I'm just returning home for a business thing. And he goes, let me just give you one bit of advice. He goes, get from that airport to the inner Harbor and don't you dare leave the inner Harbor. He goes, you may not make it out of Baltimore. If you, if you go to the outer Harbor. So yeah. of course, our hotel is across from the Camden yards and, uh, it was kind of neat because if you're if you're in a in the right side of the hotel, you actually can like look down into the uh, Camden Yard Stadium because it's you know it's wow. built into to the ground. But um, so we went to that Broncos game, which my wife and her family's big Bronco fans, and that was the game. Uh, Flacco threw like a, an interception, a pick six right before half on the goal line, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like thirty-five to ten at half. So uh, we had an early flight because she was still doing college basketball at the time. So we left that stadium, hopped in the uh, cab, or took the train back to the hotel, and uh, off we flew. So she tells everybody I got uh, ticked off about the game and left early, but it was really uh, the plane thing. And then uh, I got a little bonus here for you. Uh, Big crab cake guy. I still think the crab cakes we got from inside the stadium are better than any crab cake I've had in St. Louis. And, I mean, we've gotten them at, like, some top-notch places. I still would rather have that crab cake from inside that stadium.
2: I've only had a crab cakes a handful of times from the place down that used to be back home called Joe's Crab Shack. And it was pretty good, but I just – I can only imagine what Baltimore crab cakes are like. So you've not been to Baltimore then? I have not. I have not had that privilege yet. Um I'm hoping one day, but the clo- the I've been to two Ravens games, but they were both in the state of Ohio. Or actually I've been to multiple down at the Cincinnati stadium, but I've been at the Cleveland stadium once and that was during the 0-16 Browns season. Oh
1: boy. Dog pound. Well, <laughs> Uh, Coach Sherby's not making that up because I heard the same thing from several people, strangers, both times I went to Baltimore. Don't leave the Inner Harbor. And you don't want to anyways because it's beautiful, but uh, Mm -hmm. that is true. So when you finally make your way there, there is your tip of advice from two guys from the
2: Midwest. So we got three guys from the Midwest here on the show.
1: That's right. You are in Indiana, correct?
2: Yes. East Central Indiana to be exact. But uh, yeah, with it's just awesome being a Ravens fan, even though sometimes our fan base is a little nuts. Yes, yes. And we,
1: you two have seen that firsthand. I've even seen it myself. Sounds like we'll get into that even more later on in the episode. Uh, but for now, let's get on to the drinks. How about that, fellas?
2: Let's I I'm do get that. Let's go with it
1: let's do it all right uh last week so last week coach shurphy wasn't on uh we had justin gamel on and neither of us had anything last week so it was my second episode in a row not having anything uh that episode will be posted shortly so brandon that's why you uh, have not heard it but uh, we, he did talk about stranahan's whiskey now coach shurphy i think you probably remember me having that on the episode well unless you weren't on that episode but I had it about a couple months ago, and I heard about it from Justin Gamble, and the reason he enjoys it is because he's a Colorado guy through and through, and they make that right in Denver. I guess he's been to the distillery. It's good. It, oh. it It's a Colorado whiskey with a tin cup on top of it, so it kind of reminds you of tin cup whiskey. I say it's a lot better, a little more sweet, a little more flavor, not just a straight whiskey flavor, but that was last week uh this week not new but it's been a while since we had it we've talked about it a few times on the show kind of mentioned it briefly i have Lefroig scotch and i was telling our good friend here brandon before we started recording lafroig to me has the biggest bite the biggest burn out of all the scotches all the whiskeys i've had um only second to this random other liquor that's not even a whiskey as far as burn and bite. Uh, and then as far as scotches too, it has the most unique flavor out of all the scotches I've ever had. It's just, it's something I had early on in my scotch discovering days. And it, you know, it's kind of one of those things that there's a time and a place for it, but it's unique and it's got some full flavor. So I, I Googled Lefroy summary just to give you guys a better better description than than I could give, you know, as I've been doing lately. Uh LeFroig is a proudly smoky scotch, taking pains to impart more peat smoke before fully drying the barley, but as modern smokiness goes, LeFroig is a distinguished rather than overpowering a wisp from a dying high-end cigarette to some other scotch's flagrant tire fire smoke profiles. So that's like a, that's like a poem. That doesn't really even tell me much, but if that helps you at all, that's what LaFroiga is like. Uh, Again, this is not a beginner scotch. Tell him Brandon. He just started drinking scotch. I would not jump to this one yet. You might, even if you learn to love scotch, you might not like this one. It's such a unique taste. Coach Scherfee, I don't recommend this for you either, but it's just very peaty and strong. It just burns you guys just saw me take my first sip and even i've had this a million times and i even kind of coughed this this is strong stuff but i don't know i don't think you guys have any thoughts on that but if you want to try it at some point be my guest
0: well uh coach let me kind of uh go in here so uh Last week I was on the episode, um, my wife and I uh, stayed a couple nights in St. Louis, went to an Imagine Dragons concert, uh, stayed at the Union Station Hotel there, um, and they had a, uh, you know, like every other fancy hotel, you had a couple bars inside the place, so uh, we went in there, and of course, I always start at a place, getting an old-fashioned, uh, old which, you know, is the typical old-fashioned, uh, so on the first night, you know, I I had to go to Old Reliable, and that was uh, the Godfather. And the guy goes, I have no freaking clue what a Godfather is. I said, oh, you know, just half Amaretto and half, uh, I think I did Makers. Um, Okay. And I tell you what, he made them pretty damn good. But then the next day I decided I'd uh, go out on the menu here and try some different things, so... uh, I, I always wanted to try a mint Julep. I love mint flavored stuff. I'm a thin mint guy through and through. Uh, <laughs> I buy only mint flavored gum. So uh, the mint Julep, which to me is honestly just an old fashioned with uh, with a huge mint leaf dropped in it, it was pretty good. Uh, if you're not a mint flavor person, though, I would not recommend it. Obviously. And then I tried this one. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched Spartacus: Blood and Sand, the old stars show. Um, So they had a blood and sand on here. Um, It was blended scotch, orange juice, sweet vermouth, cherry, herring, and uh, pechauds, bitters. And I tell you what, that might have been, other than the Godfather, that was by far my favorite drink. It it had had some good taste to it. Um, And honestly, I had no idea orange juice was even in it. So it's not like you were tasting like a fruity drink, but... Uh, it's, again, they called it Blood and Sand. I don't know if that was a made-up name for it or not, but uh, that thing was damn good.
1: Wow. Okay, so I'm going to Google it here, but Blood and Sand cocktail pops right up. I was going to say, because
0: it looks like all their drinks are like actually called what they're named, because you know sure. they old-fashioned, okay. Whiskey Sour, Manhattan, so...
1: Uh, did you see, how do
0: they make the whiskey sour? You know I'm picky about that. Well, I, I never ordered one. It was just on the menu. So they do have egg white, though, as an ingredient. Okay. Then it's
1: legit. Then it's legit. Yep. Frothy. Um, yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to do some more research on this blood and sand. Was it served in a uh, martini glass? Yes. Okay.
2: All right. Wow. All right. That's what? It, that's what Google put up, pulled up for me too. Cause I had okay. to d- dig into that as well. You're going to try that now, aren't you? I might, I might, but right now with the fr- I'm still trying to get through. The- I'm almost done with my first drink of the night, which, Ooh. uh, is actually something you coach lamers, uh, recommended a couple or probably la- sometime last month or the or, or, maybe a little bit before that, but johnny walker black label oh yeah he
0: loves that one
2: i i i am coming to love it especially with the um you know charred wood or wood taste i'm coming that's an acquired taste that i'm starting to like um and to go back on that tweet that uh coach lamers went ahead and uh dissected there a couple or a couple months ago or no, it was last month, exactly, actually. Um, sweet but peppery tastes. De- the charred wood up front, and then the vanilla toffee taste went ahead and stuck in with that zest, zesty citrus finish. It's great. But um, I have some coworkers and some friends around. They said to start out with Johnny Black, and it's definitely I'm almost done with it, but I think next I'm going to be hitting on some regular old, uh, Woodford reserve bourbon. I'm a bourbon guy through and through. And, um, recently I've been starting to get into old fashions. I just actually asked you for, or coach Lamers for some advice and you did a great job, but my first old fashioned came from Texas roadhouse.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I've had a Texas Roadhouse old fashioned. Yep,
2: those—that was the best thing I've had as far as mixed drinks goes in a long time. So you both had a Texas.
0: uh, Is Texas Roadhouse known for their old fashions or something? They just kind of got a a stable of like old reliable drinks. Like uh, they've got some margaritas and uh, Long Island iced teas and. Ugh. So.
2: It, and and I think with them being like a country themed restaurant bar, I think they got Kenny Ches, uh, Kenny Chesney sponsored one too and apparently that's really good. The people we went with really, really liked the Kenny Chesney one. I can't remember, it was like a Margarita type ordeal.
1: Well, I'll tell you what you play your cards right and I will send you the Coach Lamer's old-fashioned recipe. Does it sound good? deal when this one, episode I,
0: go ahead i have to cut you off coach but one thing i did want to add there so uh the place at our hotel is called the train shed because you know union station was like an old huge train station yeah. back in the day and uh so they're old-fashioned there they actually took um, a peach slice rolled it in cinnamon and stuck it in the old-fashioned which I, i'm not a big peach fan per se but uh that was that was pretty good in there. So now I'm interested in trying some of these old fashions with the combination of spices and uh, fruit in it to see if I can find one I really like. Because, I mean, I already use cherry and orange bitters, so it yeah. wouldn't be too far off to try it with something else. For sure. And Coach
2: Sherphy real quick, um, before we go on with anything else, um, there is a bourbon that I want you to try since you brought up cherry. Um, you might like this bourbon it's, uh, out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Cause you know, or even though it's a non written rule that most good bourbons come out of Kentucky, um, St. Elmo Steakhouse has their own bourbon and they it's dark cherry and vanilla infused.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's right up
1: my alley. Yeah, I was just going to say it's right up your alley. You were talking to me about that before the show, Brandon. That's, I said you should have that because Coach Scherfie would love that. And I think maybe even having that in an old-fashioned or some kind of whiskey cocktail, you could probably do some good stuff with that.
2: And on the back of the bottle, the bourbon bottle, they actually, I'm pretty sure it's an old-fashioned type cocktail
0: recipe. Yeah, I got that one typed in on my notes here. So that'll okay. definitely be getting <laughs> figured, Google this weekend. I
1: figured that's what you were doing. All right. All right. We all got recommendations and stuff. Let's get to the cigars real quick. Sounds like probably a pretty brief segment on cigars again this week. You know, we got these two fellas in the Midwest. Uh, so I'll just start right away. Uh, Coach Surfy. Last week, I talked about one I had the previous weekend. It was it was actually made by uh, Foundry Cigars. Are you familiar with that brand?
0: Oh, that's one I don't think I've heard of quite yet. Foundry? Okay.
1: I didn't know that it was made by them because all I saw on the label was Chillin' Moose. So I'm like, hey, that's pretty unique. So I had the Chillin' Moose cigar, looked it up. It was from Foundry Cigars, and it was great. You want the full uh, description? listen when last week's gets posted Uh, but otherwise this week it was actually my birthday this past weekend so all I had was um, actually I don't know somebody brought it for me actually Ryan Cato friend of the show who's been on the episode he brought it for me so Ryan if you're listening tell me what it was because I don't remember I actually I don't think I even looked at the label I just said thanks for the birthday cigar let's light up sat out by the pool in the sunshine it was great um. speaking real quick can we backtrack I forgot to mention this Brandon you said this this episode tonight this made me think of it because uh, I'll explain here in a second but you have you broke out you found a reason to break out the special whiskey glass for tonight is that right
2: yes Um, a couple or back in uh, Christmas my stepbrother in law he bought bought me a nice little whiskey glass it's awesome i can or for those of you who are listening obviously you can't see it but if it's posted or the clips posted it's just really nifty yeah. um and it's but usually when i drink i just drink out of a normal regular whiskey glass that you would buy at like meyer walmart target etc right. etc cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah but this being a special occasion finally being able to guest uh be a guest here it's special occasion time to break out the and it came in like a carrying case with some metal ice cubes and tongs and i'm just like this is some fancy shit yeah yeah yeah
1: (laughs) sounds like a good gift um so yeah that made me it's kind of a coincidence you mentioned that you got some good glasses too because also, for my birthday, I, my favorite TV show was Mad Men, and I always lo- I admired the the glasses they used back in like the 60s. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but I got mm-hmm. a set of those for my birthday this weekend, so if, it, if I didn't have a gridiron lounge glass that I had to use on the show, that's what I'd be using, uh, but uh, I thought that was pretty cool, too, that they both have Newer glasses we're using. And as I say that, Brandon is already pouring another stiff one. So, really-
2: <laughs> not a stiff one. It's just regular old Woodford Reserve.
1: Just regular straight
2: bourbon. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that
1: just backtracking there. We went from our drinks to the glasses we drink them in. And then we'll go back to cigars now. So, Coach it sounds like you just had a, another slaughterhouse this week. Nothing new, though.
0: Yep. Yeah, only thing, uh, more educational wise uh i've been using a straight cutter on the last uh two this one i used a hole punch and uh mm-hmm. i was a was a difference in the draw of the cigar um with the punch i actually got some of that what they called the tobacco salad um whereas yep. with the straight punch i had not been getting any of that so That was uh kind of a nice little discovery there but in terms of like taste and all that i didn't really notice much of a difference um i did think with the hole punch that it's it smoked slightly quicker i felt like but i don't know if that's because i was starting to get cold so i was just huffing one down so um but yeah, I a little discovery there, so a slight change, but not all, not altering. But again, this is a uh, cheaper brand cigar, so I mean, if you go out and buy a, you know, a box of uh, Monte Cristos, I'm sure there's gonna be quite a difference there. But not, not too bad right. here on the slaughterhouses.
1: All right, and then Brandon, tell us. I don't, you know, I don't really know your history or preferences with cigars. Sound like you just had one this weekend though, so why don't you just tell us a little bit?
2: Yeah, so back before, like, right before or right as me and my now wife were in the dating stage, I was smoking some, a little gas station find, um, Onyx brand, or Onyx Reserve Toro Cigars. It, at first, I didn't know, like, I was just kind of smoking it. I was trying to wing it with the tasting notes. But I thoroughly enjoyed smoking them, Um, but just recently, one of my great uncles, he bought me a nice little gift and it was Battleground Cigars um, Lincoln Emancipator. It was a Mm -hmm. cigar that was infused with with Woodford Reserve bourbon, apparently. That thing, at first, it was kind of like. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it, that normal tobacco type ordeal. But once you got into the thick of the cigar, you can start to taste the whiskey infusions. And that was just wonderful. Wow,
1: that so I was already kind of intrigued by the name. And then uh, you're telling me about the taste, and it has the whiskey in it. I, th- I think I speak for Coach Sherfy here also. We're going to go and find that cigar.
0: Yeah, I got that one typed in the notes down, too. Yeah,
1: I just jotted it down, too. Wow.
2: Well, my, my uncle just told me recently when I smoked, like, I, when I told him that I finally smoked it, he's told me that he spent over $500 and that he's got a bunch of Pappy Van Winkles. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So I it looks like I have some uh, catching up to do with the old man if he's listening to this. Love you there, Pappy Van Winkle.
1: Yeah, that's something we all got to try here pretty soon. Well, I tell you add, what,
0: I just I got a cigar uh, <laughs> uh, magazine from Jr. Cigar the other day, and I tell you what, fellas, this can become an expensive habit real quick if you don't watch it.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. Why do you think... I think last episode that you and I recorded, Coach Sherfy, I talked about how I briefly had a cigar hobby when I was like 19 or 20. Why do you think I stopped? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, here we are. So let's all be careful. But that's a good one, Brandon. That that sounds... We'll have to see if it tops Coach Sherfy's Slaughterhouse
2: Cigar. We'll see. Uh, I, I just... I'm trying not to go ahead and just buy a box of them because that's going to probably put me in the doghouse. Maybe for your birthday. <laughs> maybe, maybe a hint
1: strongly that you only want that for your birthday or Christmas or something. I might have to do that. You're, well You're welcome. welcome. Enough about drinks and cigars and intros. Let's get into the football part of the show, shall we, fellas? Let's, uh... We did the uh, Coach Lamer's Rapid Topic last week uh, with Justin Gamble. Kind of talked about our preference on defining success the last 20 years. Um, basically kind of asking each other, you know, who technically is more successful in the last 20 years? The Packers, who are 13-3 every year but only have one Super Bowl? or teams like the Giants who are kind of crap for most of those 20 years but have twice as many trophies. So we went back and forth on that. Um, Just want to mention once again, 13-3 and seasons don't go in trophy cases. But anyways, this week's rapid topic is going to be you two talking about kind of, you know, you both touched on how you got into the Ravens. So maybe just like your current state of the Ravens, what you're seeing for this upcoming season, um, maybe some direction you think they'll take, some free agent signings, what they're going to do in the draft. We won't spend all day. You you could do a whole episode on Outlook for the Ravens, but I'll let you two kind of just dissect the Ravens, keep it short and simple. We still got a couple big topics to go to, but let's just get to some Ravens talk. Might as well. I got all the garb on, and you two are Ravens guys. Let loose. Brandon, why don't you just
0: start it off? Well, Coach, actually, let me start off. Yeah, okay, uh, Coach
1: sure, if you started off.
0: I had never actually got a chance to uh, talk about my Ravens background. Um,
2: I am. So mine's, ki- mine's
0: kind of a uh, <laughs> um, melodramatic. So, growing up, you know, about a 40, 45 minute drive from St. Louis, uh, I had grandparents, luckily, who had season uh, Rams tickets back when the greatest show on turf was uh, clicking. Yeah. So you know, for most of my childhood, loved the Rams, loved going there, but then like I don't know, it was like after the uh, after their run had kind of ended and Warner had left, it's like uh, the stadium like just like it used to be a clean like really cool place tailgating all around it, and then like the stadium itself like you couldn't step without your feet sticking to the to the concrete. Um. I remember there was a Bengals game we went to and like Cincinnati was terrible that year. The Rams were underperforming and there was more Bengal fans than Ram fans. And that's when my grandpa goes, you know what? We're not doing this anymore. It's not worth the money. So it kind of like ruined my Ram, my Ram fandom. Uh, And that's when they saw like Steven Jackson and Mark Boulder. So they were like still competitive, but it, just the experience was gone. Like they used to tailgate in like a four-block area right outside the stadium, and we used to always go there early on the noon games. And um, but anyway, so um, that puts me in about I believe fifth grade. So then at that time, uh, Madden two thousand five had come out, and obviously Ray Lewis was the cover athlete. So like me, I'm trying to pick a new team to play with. So I just picked the cover athlete team and. Um, we happened to do a uh, in school. We were doing like a a charities slash uh, donation like project where you had to find somebody who's donated or supports charities, and you know Ray Lewis always had a a, a huge uh, place in his heart for charities and stuff in his playing career. So I went ahead and looked him up and kind of liked what I read and everything like that. And then, you know, now I'm going down the rabbit hole and I'm listening to his YouTube talks and his pregame speeches and him mic'd up and just kind of fell in love there. Um, You know, that was the first jersey I went out and asked for. Um, You know, I I had a Marshall Falk jersey. I had, uh, my parents got me a, uh, I think they got me a Warner jersey. So then that was the first one I had legitimately asked for and uh just been a you know i fell in love with the the culture and ideas they have especially when uh harbaugh took over and i mean my first true year i can't be called the bandwagon they went uh i think four and twelve then they signed McNair and went 13 and three lost in the first round or their first game the divisional round and i just stuck with them i, I mean I'll, I'll be honest if uh a couple years ago they talked about firing harbaugh I if I he obviously would get another job quickly, I think, and I would probably follow him to that team more so than stick with the Ravens. But uh, still be a Ravens fan, just would probably root for Harbaugh more than I would the Ravens, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Some people are like that with their favorite player, you know, like look at NBA, LeBron fans, you know. Oh yeah. Kind of a similar thing, so all right. Thank you for that. Uh, sorry I didn't let you get a chance. I, I, I know the story you've told us before. but
2: I, I'm actually intrigued because we have a similar background with the Ravens now. We both basically got started on the Ravens because of Madden. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Coach.
2: But, uh, no, I want to – I'm going to, as they we know in football – defer to the second half i'd like to hear uh Sherfie's state of the ravens first um if you guys don't mind
1: coach Sherfy, you are on the clock um just give us a uh just a brief outlook of what you want to see him do you know like i said we could do a whole episode on this like you know you could go a whole episode on just what free agents you wanted to sign but Right now, you know, if you were on the clock and you were calling into the radio, what would you say?
0: Well, um, it's kind of funny because I feel like the last two off seasons, it's been, hey, we've got the line, we've got the line, we need weapons, we need weapons. And I feel like just in one year, that's completely flipped. Yeah. So, they're kind of, to me, they're in almost a very dangerous spot offensive line-wise because there's a chance Ronnie Stanley's not back or he's not back 100% start the year. Um, uh, Bradley Bozeman, who's an underrated uh, free agent entering this year, Uh, whatever team signs him is going to get a very quality starter. Um, He could be potentially a huge loss. Uh, So, I mean, they've got – Excuse me, there. They got potentially a lot of work to do. <coughs> Sorry, fellas. <coughs> there we go. Damn weather is screwing with my sinuses here. Mm-hmm. Um, not here. But to me, they almost need a a uh, Kansas City Chiefs like off season where they just need. I'm not saying they need to bury everything into offensive line, but man, offensive line needs to be a focus here or. Uh, you know there's there could be detrimental side effects to the to the franchise there um especially with a quarterback potentially trying to lock down his first uh, major contract there so uh and then defensively you know um it's kind of a similar situation uh they're kind of an older defense especially on the front and in the back uh it, well corner i guess instead of the true back but you know, D-line, I think, is a very underrated need. I think it's been underrated the last couple years. Uh luckily they took Matabuke a couple years ago, and that's been a great pickup. And uh that Broderick Washington's kind of stepped up, but I think they need to kind of start planning like Calais Campbell's not going to be there. I think they need to plan like Ronnie Stanley's not going to be there. And uh I, I mean I still wouldn't abandon the best player available, but It would be really really tough to look at like a really nice player versus like oh there's a stud left tackle there that we might reach on a little bit so um to me I, I still think they're a contending team you know last year I thought they were a nine win team I thought there'd be some ups and downs and boy there was a bunch of downs but you know, obviously they're a well-coached team. They stayed competitive. Uh, They nearly knocked off the Rams. They nearly knocked off the Packers without their quarterback. And uh, they nearly swept the Browns without Lamar, basically. So, you know, I think they're in a good spot. Um, You know, watching the Bills and the Chiefs and then, you know, seeing that potentially the Bengals could be taking that step makes me a little nervous. But, I mean, you got to, everybody's got to understand they're basically like going to have the best free agency just getting everybody back healthy. So, uh, you know, that's my kind of state there. Uh, I, I think their window is potentially being held up right now, but could be slammed shut here depending on how these next two seasons go.
1: Give me, real quick, one draft prospect, any position, and one free agent that you want to see him sign. Pop your head, go.
0: Oh boy, I'd have to see a list of free agents. Um, well, how about this? How about Brandon can go,
1: give his spiel, give his picks, while you can uh, do some research. Yeah, that that works. Brandon, you are calling in to Gridiron Lounge
2: Radio. What's your status on the Ravens for the upcoming season? Go. With the upcoming season, I'm pretty much taking a similar approach that uh, Coach Shurphy is. They need to address the offensive line like no other. Um, They made it very clear, not only with, you know, Lamar, but Huntley as well, and opening holes for that running back room. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, they're great running backs. But here's the thing, Um, you don't – I'm counting on Ronnie Stanley to come back, be back 100% or at least 95, 98%. That last couple percentage can be rust that's just worked out. Now, the question I have is the center position and the right tackle position. Juan James, is he the guy that we need or we need or are looking for? Um, And then, or do we go ahead and take Daniel Folele or um, Trevor Penning, for example? That's where we, or do we bring in, or do we bring promote from within like we've been doing? There's a lot of questions, but as far as the defensive side, we're getting a lot of guys back. We're hoping – or Justin Matabouk, BK, and Broderick Washington, just like you said, they're coming back. We also have Derek Wolf coming back. Even though he's getting up there in age, he's still, a you know, that guy along the defensive line. It's just – it suck that he wasn't ready or good to go last season lots of secondary pieces coming back but the large or big question looms at the free safety position even with the re-signing of tony jefferson almost had my oof of the night again but i caught myself but um but i think Last season, I had them a little higher. I had them at a minimum 11-win team. But then we obviously saw what happened, and I think with the right approaches they're taking going forward, they'll be back on track to 11 to 12 wins and hopefully closing out the narrative that they can not get to an AFC championship. And if I have to make a pick as far as first-round picks go, I'm going to take offensive tackle Trevor Penning, blue-collared boy. And if I'm going free agent, I'm going to go the Honey Badger Tyron Matthew.
1: I was going to say that. I don't even have an iron in this fire, and that's the, the one guy I would love to see in Baltimore, so thank you.
2: Or if I had to go, or close second, Ryan Jensen.
0: Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: If you lose, if you lose Bozeman, yeah. Center, Ryan Jensen, who kind of got infamous in Tampa Bay in the last two years. But, um, okay. That's perfect. Coach Scherfity, did, did you think of yours? It sounds like you picked Ryan Jensen for one of them.
0: Yeah. Um, if we're not going to re sign Bozeman, which I'm assuming they would have by now if that was going to happen uh i i would love to see a reunion with jensen um you know it gives you jensen that gives you um zeitler and then hopefully a healthy Juwan james can fill that right tackle i think that gives you a solid veteran presence um you know the i'm a little nervous i think the ravens draft tackles well but man i feel like they just cannot find a guard in the draft that they fall in love with um because, I mean, they have spent a lot of mid-round resources on offensive guards. So, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> draft-wise, for me, um, in a perfect scenario where they're sitting at 14, I'm hoping to God somebody like uh, Hamilton from Notre Dame can fall to him Because, I don't know, I feel like ever since Ed Reed retired, this team just has not had that center of the field presence. They've gotten you know away with a lot of hybrid-like safeties but I would really like to see a, a coverage-based safety. But, you know, in reality, he's obviously not going to be there. Um, I know the fan base loves Sauce Gardner. Um, yeah, I, I understand Marcus Peters is getting old. You are going to have to make up a plan for there. Uh, so I tell you, one guy that I kind of like here, uh, I like that Charles Cross from Mississippi State. I think he's got a little nasty streak to him. Yeah. Um, and if you've been paying attention, I feel like Baltimore really likes their heavier set linemen, uh, obviously if the power run game that they have. But I think he'd be a, a little bit different. I believe hes they only got him weighing at 300. But he's got that little nasty streak to him. Looks like he's pretty light on his feet for a tackle. Uh, you know, Coach, we had that text there uh, where we were talking about it. But, I mean, ultimately, I'm going to play the ultimate Ravens card. I would really like to see them trade back because I just – 14 always makes me nervous unless you get one of those guys to fall. But, you know, a couple years ago here I was hoping to God we'd get Derwin James and we passed him right up. And so – but, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and stick with – I'd like to see Charles Cross and Ryan Jensen and kind of give Lamar a chance there because – and I'll be honest, uh, we'll give Coach here a chance to rebuttal that. I felt like, I I don't think scheme is the issue in Baltimore. I I really think Lamar kind of, uh, I'm going to call it, uh, felt the ghosts last year. And it just seemed like he was either A, did not trust his short throws, or B, just locked on to his first read because of the pass rush issue and just – just kind of took a step back almost pressed the envelope way too much where he should have just sat back taking what he got so coach we'll give you a chance to rebuttal that i don't really have
1: much this was kind of your guys segment um as an outsider looking in if i'm picking well first you know there's a lot of points here we do have to move on we're running pretty long here we got to get to uh, our main segments yet um but just an outsider looking in if i'm picking a free agent for them you know, you mentioned they haven't had a center fielder since Ed Reed. Nobody has. That is a dying position and it is almost impossible to find a true center fielding free safety nowadays in today's NFL. It's it is almost impossible. So, it's not just them. But if I had to pick a free agent, Tyron Matthew, like Brandon said, and then Brandon mentioned, "I listeners know we're not very dialed into the draft this year, not like last year at all." But that right tackle from Minnesota, um Falali, Falali That's that, that's He's the a most perfect. commonly
0: drafted Raven Raven mock draft guy because like. he is in every single second round pick for the Ravens.
1: Yeah, then that's perfect because it's just like last year, like Creed Humphrey was the perfect Kansas City Chiefs pick,
0: and look what happened.
1: You know, that's that's perfect. And I remember, I thought I remember Orlando Brown being mocked to the Ravens time and time again, that class. And look what happened. You know, he was great. So those would be my two picks. Uh, Coach Scherfie mentioned they've put a lot of mid-round resources into the interior offensive line the last few years. They sure have. And clearly nothing has been sticking. If they could re-sign Bozeman, have him at guard, and Jensen back at center in free agency, something like that, I think that would be cool. But, uh, again, I don't have any irons in the fire. We'll see. Uh, I do... As a fantasy football player myself, Lamar and J.K. Dobbins are two guys that are very high on my list for this upcoming season. So, Take that for what it's worth, but uh, that's the only thoughts I have. If you have any extra thoughts, keep them brief, because like I said, we do have to get on to the next segment here.
2: The only reason why I want to go, ahead, or I am not high on the interior position like center, even though I would love a Ryan Jensen uh, reunion, I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet, but is because we have two quality guys that can fill that position if Bozeman decides to walk. As you guys know, I have a Bozeman jersey sitting on the chair across from me.
0: you wearing um, it, like me.
2: I, I should be. Big fan. Um, but... We have, they have Patrick McCurry who took, did a mm-hmm. great job taking over for Matt Skura, And then even though TCC isn't, you know, Bozeman, Jensen, et cetera, et cetera, he is a young technical guy in my personal opinion. Uh, Coach, you might have a different opinion on that, but that's how I feel about the whole situation.
0: Yeah, and Macari is kind of underrated. I mean, that guy has played right tackle. I think he had a stretch at right or left guard. He's played center. so, And they did re-sign him, so they might just be planning to hand over the keys to him to take that center position. But, um, yeah, it, it, the loss of Bozeman, they would then definitely need to hit left guard. But um, And then another thing I'd like to see, I, I really would not bother me if they have targeted defensive line early in the draft either. Um I just – you could potentially be losing two of those guys this year um, with uh, the retirement of uh, Calais Campbell. And then, you know, I never know. Derek Wolf could maybe call it quits. We'll have to see. I haven't heard anything along those lines, so I would be shocked. But um, I would just – I'd like to have those resources. I feel like this defense is always at its best when it's got that nice deep – two deep uh one and a half deep uh defensive line rotation so
2: uh real quick i don't or i think we're wait just waiting this for the league new year to see if calais will come back to the ravens because he i think he mentioned that he's not retiring
0: yeah, perfect and so that kind of gives you a year then to uh to pull, go go pull in somebody let him get uh coached up by coach campbell there and then uh see if you can hand the keys over because I, I think they have solid pieces now but man I'd really love to see a uh, in their 3-4 I'd really love to see a D-lineman that can get that 3-tech uh, slash 5-tech uh, gap pen- penetration like you've seen with uh, obviously Watt, Donald and all of those uh, studs there so obviously those guys don't grow on trees so that's just wishful thinking
1: that's right all right we have to get to the main topic before the oofs uh we'll have to skip through the oofs pretty quick here like i said running long on time but we kind of expected that with a long-awaited guest such as brandon myers here so uh, last week for our main topic justin Gamble discussed how we evaluate nfl players and their positions uh, if you want more elaboration on that take a listen to last week's but uh, this week, Brandon Myers has neglected to tell us what the topic is. He wants to surprise us, but again, we'll
2: try to keep us quick. But Brandon, take it away. What's your main topic? This is actually a topic that was in question, given away for, or given to me via you know this coworker of mine. He is a hu- or a big fan of a rival AFC North team, but it's a good question to think about because you have different ways of analyzing it i have an idea of your answer coach lamers and producer larry's answers oh boy you're this is a hypothetical though you guys are the owner of an nfl professional nfl team and you are looking for your next head coach you have three options available and three only those three options are mike tomlin zach taylor and sean mcveigh who are you taking out of those three and why
1: um
2: i picked and you're gonna you might find me crazy at first i thought i was going to pick sean mcveigh because he is an offensive (laughs) genius but mike tomlin is also a defensive stud and can scheme up anything uh, that you can think of if he has the correct personnel.
1: Uh, okay, Coach
2: Sheriff, do you want me to go first
1: or, or you?
0: Uh, Lamers, I'm interested to hear what, you, what you're going to say here, so I'll let you go first.
1: All right, I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, first a question for the host of the topic, is this present-day coach or all-time? I mean, we're taking the coach right now.
2: Yes, the coach, as of, or we can do all time, we can do as of today. You can, or, but it's just these three guys, Zach Taylor, Sean McVay, Mike Tomlin. Right now, I,
1: so now I did see this poll. I didn't know it was yours, but right now I didn't even think I did. Well, I mean, I thought twice about it, but first of all, throw Zach Taylor out. Yep. Completely out of this. He (laughs) just throw him out. I'm picking Sean McVay. Sean McVay has more success in the last five years than Mike Tomlin. Say what you will about Mike Tomlin in the grand scheme of things because I think, you know, talking about all time, he's a great head coach. But in the last five years, I have not seen anything. I've seen him make poor choices as to who is on his coaching staff. His offensive coach has been clueless the last several years and defense they've had a lot of talent and plus you know pittsburgh defenses are traditionally successful you mentioned Tomlin structures good defenses as it is so that's fine and in the last like two three years he has shown no control over his locker room he has a bunch of clowns on his team you'd bring ben back because you have no plan at all for life post ben I know, you know, you can get into if this is the front office or not, but if you have a head coach like Tomlin who's been there that long, he has a large amount of say in personnel decisions. I have seen a lot of, I've seen more negatives in the last five years from Tomlin than I have positives. Fast forward to McVay, he has a share of mistakes too, as far as game management. And you know, we saw the NFC Championship game; you ran out of timeouts against a, a rival team with ten minutes left. Man, ooh. But, he just won the Super Bowl. He said, hey, all I need is my quarterback. Go and get him. They did, and he won it all. Bright mind. He makes the moves necessary. He gets the job done. And the players freaking love him. Not that they don't love the other two coaches, but the players freaking love McVay. I'm saying McVay, as of right now, McVay, clearly, all time, I think it's easily Tomlin. Because you're talking about a potential Hall of Fame coach here. But right now, McVay... In ink.
2: All right, all right. I like that. I I can. T- I'll allow it. <laughs> Thank you, Coach surf You're up.
0: Well, <clears throat> definitely Zach Taylor is getting tossed out. Um, yeah. I think, I think Burrow saved his job this year. Chase saved yeah. his job this year. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think the best coach in Cincinnati right now is their defensive coordinator. Um, just my opinion there, though. Um so it's kind of funny it comes down to McVeigh and Tomlin because they're both kinda of opposite ends there. Obviously, offense, defense. McVeigh's a lot more open. Tomlins a little more closed, uh behind behind closed curtains kind of thing, other than his uh diva receiver group. But uh you know, I have read a lot of articles on McVeigh about how he runs the Rams, and they took a real deep dive into that on Hard Knocks. Um, so, like, I feel like I'm leaning towards him just because I see how he operates. Um, he creates a pyramid of what of the expectations, and they follow those each level of the pyramid. And uh, it just makes a lot of sense. It, you know, If anytime you go to, like, a, a, a culture thing, it's what you see. Um, you know, and we got to give Tom one credit because he kept Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown under control for those uh, freaking killer B seasons that they had. So, um, obviously, kind of lost control on Brown there at the end, and Bell kind of fell off the uh, wagon there too. But, um you know, it comes down to I feel like everybody wants to go to the Rams. Obviously, there's other factors there, whether you're in L.A., um, they're the Super Bowl champs. But I feel like McVeigh, if you're building – let's just say if you're building a franchise from the ground up, you go with McVay. Um, if you want to win a game, I think you go with McVeigh. I just feel like mcveigh has got more control over the schemes – than say Tomlin does I think Tomlin's similar to Harbaugh in terms of he's just kind of a CEO versus where McVeigh's kind of like a uh I, I want to use the term president but president who also does some managing so um I would probably lean towards McVeigh as well um they both have flaws um you know I would uh I would have would be a fool not to uh credit a hey, Tomlin's gonna win at all costs, even if that means walking down the sideline and tripping a kick return. Oh jeez. Um but yeah, hey, you gotta win at all costs, coach. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh regardless fan. there though, I I am one who uh and I just want to make this clear, you know, being a Ravens fan, I respect the hell out of out of Mike Tomlin. I think he is a great coach. I do think that uh I kind of thought this would have been a good year for Pittsburgh to actually let him go, him go get a change of scenery, because I think a change of scenery would help re, re, uh, reset, I guess, his uh, career there. I, I Pittsburgh's kind of a tough position right now. They're going to be uh, in that deep, dark, uh, we're not bad enough to get a top pick to get a new quarterback, but we're not good enough to really win a playoff game right now either. Yeah. So. Um, Quarterback purgatory there, but yeah. I, long story short, here sorry, kind of went on there. Uh, Sean McVay would be my top choice.
2: All right, I I, I like those answers. Um, over now that you guys got me convinced, and I think producer Larry would be proud. Um, but. I picked Tomlin initially because after or after just pondering it for a little bit, but you know, I give him the credit because he's a very defensive minded, but I like that um thing where you brought up Sean McVay is that president who also does the managing, but all I'd like to add on he's also the managing that goes and works alongside the frontline workers mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. that is one thing i will give kudos to sean mcveigh for on everything and plus that's clip where he's answering all the questions from that uh i think it was bleacher report and they just asked him questions about his time in washington and his first two like one or two seasons it was just awesome to see how he had that much knowledge right, right
1: yeah I as a fan i I kind of hoped he did walk off into the sunset after the Super Bowl and took a nice lucrative uh, booth job because I think mcVeigh in the booth would be such a treat for football fans I mean it's gonna be better than anything I mean we're talking hopefully rest in peace but the new John Madden you know I mean maybe obviously different but this guy could be doing this for the next several decades, and we would just be having a treat. He'd be a Hall of Fame. I don't know if he'd be a Hall of Fame coach. But he'd be a Hall of Fame broadcaster after his coaching career winning the Super Bowl. You know, it would just be awesome. So I hope we get that at some point.
0: Here, Here's one, too. Uh, the, that Peter Schrader podcast where... Uh, um... He – oh, God, what did he call it? The Flying – the Flying Something podcast where he he's bringing on head coaches and stuff, and he had a McVeigh on one of them. He had uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I think, was on that same episode. And uh, he only did, like, I think five or six episodes. But I'm telling you, that McVeigh one was awesome because he's telling stories uh, from his time at Washington. He kind of talks about L.A. And I tell you what, it is pretty – It's a hell of a listen. Um, God, it's the Flying flying Coach, maybe, or Flying Headsets. It's something like that podcast, but it's by Peter Schrader from uh, Good Morning Football. and It sounds like that'd be a hell of a listen if you guys haven't listened to it already.
2: Might have to go listen to it uh, eventually.
1: For sure. Well, uh, that was a good topic, Brandon. Uh, I'd... Like I said, I briefly saw that poll on Twitter and never even thought about it. That that would have been a great topic for the show, so I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, that was a good one, but if you don't mind, let's get to our bread and butter segment. I know you're anxious to get to your first ever oof.
2: Yeah, um, but I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to defer yeah, yeah, to the second yeah. half to go ahead and let you guys get your oofs done with first, if you don't mind.
1: Absolutely, uh, Coach
2: Murphy. Were you
1: able to think of one?
0: Yeah, actually, uh, I, I got a good one for us here. Um, with combine week going on this, uh, oh boy, this week, uh, I just wanted to give a kind of a, a a warning here. We're going to have, and it happens every year, and everybody talks about it. I know, but we're going to have people who fall in love with these testing numbers. Uh, instead of the player. Um, Again, not trying to make this all Ravens' base, but Orlando Brown is one of my favorite examples. You turned on the film, you saw a strong tackle. You saw somebody who was a phenomenal football player. You saw somebody who was a first-round talent. So then Combine comes, and he only does the 13 reps on the bench press, which obviously for an offensive lineman, you know, yeah, that's kind of concerning. But let's not forget, he's 6'8 and lengthier than hell. So, you know, when you're tall, lengthy, it's, it's tough to do those kind of reps. But, you know, don't let bench press numbers fool you. I mean, just because you have a big, roaring chest does not make you a stud football player. Um, you know, as we've seen, just because you run a blazing 40 does not mean you're going to automatically be a deep threat, Tyreek kill weapon. And... Uh, you know, are, are there some measurables that, like, they have a huge role in the prospect? Yeah, quarterback hand size is one that, um, for whatever reason, you wouldn't think it made a big difference, but there's some correlation there. Um, you know, for pass rushers, three-cone, that's the stuff you got to focus on. Everybody loves the 40, everybody loves a bench press, but, you know, my oof is don't, fall, don't be the fool that falls in love with that crap. Um, I mean... But listen rest in peace al davis we don't need any more al davis like people right now just watch the film trust your eye and if you seriously think a 40-yard dash time changes your uh, uh, outlook on a prospect then you're looking at it wrong because uh again uh, coach lamers i'm gonna give you credit here coach lamers loved cooper cup in the draft process he talked about him i believe he's even a top five guy for you out of that draft class for that position group and uh you know he ran what like a four five nine or a four six two forty somewhere in that ballpark. Boy, it didn't look like it this year, did it? I mean, he was blown by some of those corners that you know run the four four, the four three. So, um, you know, trust your eye. Don't trust just a random testing number. Uh, understand how it can play a role. Understand what traits it can confirm. But I mean. Again, don't don't be John Rost. Don't think oh he's four two two speed. He's gonna be the best damn thing on since sliced bread. Okay, so uh kind of simple coach that didn't want to really dive into it. Been a busy fellow with the Glazier Clinic and everything, so uh mm-hmm. keep it clean this week.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, basically the, the combine's good for answering any questions you might have had on a prospect's athleticness. And uh you know, potentially I could be remembering remembering this wrong this is a few years back, but I always think of Byron Jones as a good example for this uh you know cornerback it helps you rewatch some tape because Byron Jones came in, and I think he was the one that like had an Olympic broad jump like yeah, I think he
0: still he still has the NFL record at the combine for uh so broad jump yeah and and that made people
1: from what i remember that made people say oh wait who's this and they rewatch the tape and now yeah you shot up he he's an excellent defensive back in the nfl who has played safety and corner for two different teams and he's paid so good example you know it, it helps you answer questions on players that you couldn't see on tape you couldn't tell and then it it potentially helps you go and rewatch a player because you just noticed something you didn't you didn't know this before. So. Brandon, any, any quick thoughts on the combine? Um,
2: kind of, sort of. Um, I'm going on the defensive line, linebackers day to the combine. Um, and the only thing – or and I like the little thing that Coach Murphy mentioned. Don't be, you know, paying attention to the 40s and the bench press. Pay attention to the drills on how – like in their fund basically and watch the fundamentals that's the one thing that i'm taking notes from and anyone who's listening to this should do the same essentially because when or that's what you're gonna have to you that's gonna be your basis and go watch to be able to go watch re-watch the film I've got a whole list of people that I'm going to watch thanks to some folks who are watching on my or the show I do and uh, my ATB head contributor. These guys gave me a whole list of people to watch at the Combine as far as D-line and linebackers go, and it's just like what Coach Murphy said there and what you just added on to it is just like it's true. Too damn true, like Kurt Angle would say. alright alright well
1: uh, I'll get on mine, mine will take like a minute so I'll let you wrap things up with with your uh, inaugural oof Brandon Uh, before I do I did not mention last week's oofs. so uh, like I mentioned it was just Justin Gamble and myself, my oof was, I'm sure you guys both saw actually I think it was around the block that put this tweet out Brandon Uh, they, they put a graphic of I think Fifteen or so all-time great defensive players and they said pick five to build your defense around and my oof was people that were not including Aaron Donald in theirs because he is probably the best defensive player ever if not he's arguably the best and I saw way too many people not picking him at all in their five so that was my oof Uh, Justin Gamble went on to uh, he went on about that graphic showing uh, who was Basically, who was better? Cooper Copper, or Calvin Johnson? <laughs> we all saw it. It was clickbait, but he went on about no. that for a zoo. So that was last week's. Uh, this week, like I said, I'll keep mine short and sweet. There's a very intriguing quarterback carousel this offseason. I'll, this is a pretty weak quarterback draft class, especially after the last two really strong ones we saw. This is a not pretty weak. This is a very weak quarterback draft class. So, your mid, your, your bridge quarterback types, you know, your Ryan Fitzpatricks of the world could get paid this offseason. You know, this is a very intriguing thing. Plus, you got guys like Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson, elite top five quarterbacks that are potentially on the move. So, there's a lot of talk about that. My oof is that all of a sudden, Mitch Trubisky is the belle of the ball. When you got guys that I would easily, and this, I don't think this should just be my opinion, you know, I'm by default a Packers fan, so I've seen a lot of Trubisky, but as a football guy, first and foremost, I would easily take Minshew, Mariota, Jimmy G, especially over Trubisky. It's like all of a sudden, Trubisky spends one year under Josh Allen and Brian Dable and they spoke very highly of him and now all of a sudden Trubisky is like the most prized free agent of all time and, and people are defending that take by saying no no Nagy ruined him Trubisky's not that bad come on man I don't know about that this guy is just not that good and this maybe I'm biased because when Trubisky was everybody's QB1 coming out of school, and I think that was the Mahomes class, right? Mahomes and uh, who was the other one? I Watson. I, yeah, I had Mahomes and Watson, QBs 1A and 1B, and everybody's like, this Trubisky guy. And I watched his tape, and what stood out to me is in his last year in college, he had two, two potential game-winning drives that he was on, and he couldn't seal a deal on either of them. And I'm like, I don't know if this guy's got that gene. Not that that was the only flaw I saw, but I didn't like him coming out to keep it short and simple, and uh, so maybe I'm a little biased here, but he's not better than Marcus Mariota. Even if they're similar, Mariota has more talent, not to mention Minshew. Minshew's a little bit of a different type of player, but I'll take my chances on Minshew. He can win some games. He can win some games on a far worse roster than Trubisky, as we've seen. And then Jimmy G, say say what you want about Jimmy G, but he wins games. He just wins games. You know, if that's your bridge quarterback, you're probably winning six to ten games versus Trubisky might win like three or four. How the hell are you picking Trubisky over these guys? I would even take Teddy Bridgewater over Trubisky. Uh, Wentz maybe not. I think Wentz you can throw in with Trubisky because this isn't an oof about Trubisky. It's about why are we prizing guys like Trubisky over guys that are clearly more upside, could win you more games. So, you know, I've heard a lot of things about Wentz, where Wentz could be starting next year. Wentz should not be starting next year. Neither should Trubisky. If they're your best options, something went wrong. You know, either Deshaun Watson stayed with Houston, if that was your plan A. Or you couldn't get your hands on Jimmy G because the cost was too high. Or someone skipped you in the draft to take Kenny Pickett or something like that. Something went wrong. so. But Trubisky should not be your plan A. I've heard a lot about Washington uh, commanders and the Pittsburgh Steelers having him as plan A. <sighs>
0: First round quarterbacks die hard.
1: Yeah. Good luck, luck. You get strikes
0: four, five, and six, buddy.
1: Just oof. That's it.
0: See, I'd like
2: Trubisky to go to the Steelers, but that's because we all know. Uh...
1: Yeah, because you're Ravens fans. <laughs> I think a mobile a mobile quarterback would help Pittsburgh. I, I, I could see that, but give him Mariota or something. Minshew's not exactly immobile. He could help too. So, See, yeah.
2: I like the great value version of Uncle Rico, though.
1: Hey, um, hey. But do not disrespect Minshew, or I will put his jersey on next, <laughs> which is also black.
2: You know, I, I—that's the reason why I like, uh, Mi- or Minshew because I just when he was in Jacksonville, I thought he was he was a fine dude. But then obviously they went the route of Trevor Lawrence. But it is what it is. Minshew would be a good starter on just about any team but a lot of teams also have their starting quarterback already picked out except for those in the you know the craziness that is this year's quarterback carousel but my like I said I'd be glad with uh, Trubisky going to say Pittsburgh but like some of the other teams, like the 49ers, if they were to get rid of Jimmy G, bring in Minshew. This guy is can work wonders. But also they got Trey Lance to work with, who's the next coming for them. Um, it's just a lot of questions in gray areas.
1: For sure. For sure. This should be a fun offseason for, for quarterbacks. But uh, you know what? Enough about that. You, my friend, have the grand finale in your first ever Gridiron Lounge oof. Take it away, my friend.
2: Listen, the only oof that I really have had and could think of is earlier in the show, or or I think it was actually before the show, I almost had a Kurt Scherfie moment where I messed up Tony Jefferson's name by calling him Justin Jefferson again, which I've done that before because I've heard Mm -hmm. him call a Connor Cup yeah and but the big thing that I want to discuss as far as oofs is Ravens fans and their quick jump to gun we need to sign this guy we need to trade for that guy as you all know before it was Antonio Brown we me oh. and my co-host were shutting that down like no other it's not going to happen Now it's Saquon Barkley. We've already got a solid running back room. It's just fixed the offensive line. I tried I've tried really hard to not steer away from this oof, but it was just so present right there in front of my face. And I'm just like, oof, what are you guys doing? What are you guys thinking? We've got, it's like that whole thing where, the kid wants to stop at McDonald's soon. You might have to deal with this coach. Sherfy went in a couple of years <laughs> where uh, the kid wants to stop at McDonald's, but we got, or the, you're the parent. And obviously you're saying we got food at home.
0: Yeah. And obviously
2: yeah. our running back group being JK, Gus may, or maybe Justice to sell Nate McCrary, Tyson Williams, et cetera, et cetera. It is what it is. Then it's just like, what? And take the. I see. Or was hearing you were about to uh, say something there, Coach Murphy. Go ahead. Take the floor.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this is a different conversation if they don't have a, a highly invested uh, second-round pick and a highly invested uh, re-signed uh, re- uh, free agent, rookie free agent finding. That they had in Edwards. It's also a different story if Saquon Barkley is an actual healthy threat. Um, To me, signing Barkley is just, hey, uh, fellas, by the way, by week eight, we're back to uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. So, um, yeah, I I just, there's only one team, and this is just for me because I think he could really blow up there. I, I kind of thought it would make sense to maybe uh, throw Barkley in for like Jimmy G and something else, kind of give the the Giants a bridge quarterback there. And then I, I just feel like Barkley would really be spooky in San Francisco, but I mean that's just the fan in me. Uh, but yeah, I feel like the Ravens fan base used to be kind of uh, mellow, but then the blow up of Lamar Jackson I think brought a bunch of. Uh, I don't want to call them bandwagons, but a bunch of very, very warm weather fans. And uh, ever since that fifteen and one season, man, Baltimore's linked to every free agent. Uh, we we should we should assign Jesus Christ to a three year contract. It just it, it gets out of hand on the free agency stuff, man.
2: It really does. It's and that's where my that is my big oof that we are. As a fan base back in the five, even with my first five and 11 season as a fan, I wasn't asking for, you know, let's go sign this guy. Let's go sign that like guy. Let's not trade for this or let's trade for this guy. I was about let's get guys healthy. Let's just rebuild in the draft. And that's what I think the Ravens should continue to do and sign maybe one to three big-name guys, like what they did with, um, like, Weddle, for example. Uh, uh, I was big on Snead when they brought him in. um, Yeah. Because they fed the big-body receiver mentality. But it is what it is.
0: Yeah, and, and the fans have to remember, like, this is a talented roster, and it's a close-knit roster as it is. And I just don't know if trading resources on a team that I consider old, I just don't think trading the resources to get younger people is the right move. Um, but, I mean, I guess that's part of the, the fun that comes with free agency and, and all the trade rumors is, oh, well, we can make our fantasy football team come to life. So, Um, But, no, I just – I agree with you there. Um, But, again, I'm sure there are 30 – about 28 of the 32 or 31, I guess, fan bases are having that same discussion of, oh, we should go ahead and trade for Barkley. Um, You know, I'm sure even Panther fans are like, oh, could you imagine if we had Christian McCaffrey and Barkley? Like, Christian McCaffrey could play his six games and get hurt. Then we can throw Barkley out there and let him play his six games and get hurt, and then we'll be right back, Christian McCaffrey, to wrap this season up.
2: You're right about that, my friend. You're right about that.
1: Well, Brandon, congrats on your first ever Gridiron Lounge oof! Hopefully, some more in your future here. That would
2: be great. That'd be fine with us. That's uh, that's also all, also fine with me. I just, it's an honor to be here. Well,
1: it's an honor to have you. And if you guys don't mind, I'm going to get to some reminders real quick.
0: Yep. yep. Coach, thanks for uh, joining on here with us. Just wanted to say that here before Coach Wamers does his spiel.
1: All right. Whiskey and cigar recommendations, of course. We always need those. Uh, looks like we got a, a pretty fancy one from Brandon Myers here this week that Coach Sherfy and I can't wait to get our hands on. But we're always open to more whiskey and cigar recommendations or whiskey cocktails like the sand and blood cocktail or whatever the hell it's called uh follow our social media at at Lounge on twitter instagram and facebook soon tiktok as well big free giveaway at our 1000 follower mark on twitter not going to want to miss that follow brandon on twitter at bt underscore follow his work on the account that he co-runs Ravens underscore ATB, as in Around the Block. And you can also find his podcast every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time called Around the Flock. Brandon, it was about damn time you got on here. Thanks so much for being on. Can't wait to have you on again. And as we end every episode, sip, clip, light.